Well, greetings, golf lovers. This episode of the Golf Guide podcast is, as always, brought to you by GolfGuide.net. We've got some master storylines to get over as we prepare for the greatest golf tournament on the calendar. Let's do it, everybody. Another episode of the Golf Guide podcast. All right, so my beloved co-host is back yet again. Fortunately for me, we've just been talking for hours. You know, I feel like we get into a much better groove when we just can sit down and drink for a substantial amount of time before we begin recording this podcast. It really puts me in a nice, like, nice state of mind. I don't confirm or deny that. Okay, fair enough. But I confirm it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with that confirmed, um, I thought this would be a great opportunity with both of our favorite golf tournament. Uh, just mere days away from now. I mean, we are recording this the week before Masters Week, so the the Shell Houston Open is a few days away from starting. The whole year, in a, a manner of thinking, is is like a long week before the Masters. <laughs> That's not incorrect. Yeah, I mean the Masters. I mean, shit. How how many fucking Masters podcasts did we do last year? Like we were just any excuse to talk about Augusta and talk about the Masters was. More or less took precedent and I think on every podcast we did for like a month and a half beforehand. And I think we probably mentioned the Masters in every podcast we did for the whole year. <laughs> yeah, right. So I think for you and I, the fact that we waited until the week before the Masters to actually have an entire podcast dedicated to this tournament shows a lot of restraint on you and me. Good good on us. You know, it's it's always good when you can recast laziness as discipline (laughs) it's really like uh alchemy it's like yeah it's alchemy oh it's wonderful yes well i am just choosing to look at it as restraint so thank you well done so uh, what we're going to do today is just go over um a couple of the storylines that i that at least i am most intrigued by heading into this year's masters tournament it's not necessarily going to be a tournament preview because i think it would be um, you know, it'd be like having a fantasy football draft in July to do a preview right now, where it's just you're just, it's just too far away. There's too many factors that we're not going to know before this tournament gets started that it just would seem foolhardy you, to to do it now. So we're not going to blow our loads <laughs> quite this early. <laughs> Correct. So I figured we'd just go over a couple storylines and we just give give our thoughts on a few of those things and whatever you know tangents we end up going off on we we go Just off on and talk about whatever prejudiced opinions we have about these various major storylines perfect you know, i mean i'm a very prejudiced person when it comes to golf that is that great you know satire newspaper the onion what did they used to say a headline uh stereotypes are a real time saver <laughs> and uh you know who can argue Wow, I almost, uh, that was almost a lot of uh, delicious Firestone Easy Jack IPA spewed all over the screen of my computer. But anyway, all right. So the first thing, before we start actually getting into some of the storylines as it relates to the players, one of the main storylines that I think we're going to be seeing covered in abundance as this tournament gets closer and closer is the issue of weather. From what we Weather saw... or not what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> From what we saw this morning uh, on the weather report for Augusta National Golf Club for Masters Weekend, it is looking moist. Sometimes that's good, but I guess maybe not this time. It is looking exquisitely moist. So just to give you a little, a quick run through of what the weather's as of today, which is Monday, 
March 27th is the day that we are recording this podcast. So Masters Week begins seven days from right now, okay? Starting next Monday, April 3rd, the weather at Augusta looks like this. Monday, rain. Tuesday, showers. Wednesday, sunny. Well, hey, that's a nice little reprieve. Thursday, a.m. showers. First round. Second round, Friday, scattered thunderstorms. Saturday, round three, showers. Sunday, final round, a.m. showers. What about Monday? <sighs> that is a good question. I didn't have that brought up, but now that, that we're suck. in the middle of a podcast and you're asking me, I feel... I figured you had Monday in front of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the computer screen, ladies and gentlemen, is pointed away from me. Well, I will say, I'm not even going to look at Monday because, I mean, there seems to be a pretty good chance that this tournament has the potential to finish on Monday, which it hasn't done. Um, I can't recall. Man, that's been a long, long, long time. I mean, it almost finished on Monday when Adam Scott barely beat out Angel Cabrera with basically it being borderline pitch black outside of the second playoff hole or something like that, wasn't it? Fucking cheater putter that he had. That was really heartbreaking. (laughs) Cabrera deserved that one. Yeah, that one was was a little rough. But there's there's a lot of interesting factors because, you know... Do we... I'm going to interrupt you. Do we we know how significant and persistent the thunderstorms are going to be on Friday cuz that that that's the only part of it that seems like it could really fuck the tournament up. It uh it doesn't actually give any indication of what uh the let's say the level of thunderstorms are and how long they're going to last. Uh it only really gives me a precipitation percentage. And every day that it's supposed to rain, the good news is every day that it's supposed to rain, it is never more than a 60% chance of rain. But again, we're still 10 days out right now. So a lot of things can change between then and now. My question to you is, how do you see that affecting the golf tournament? Obviously, it's going to be playing a lot softer, but that could be, you know, which could put people, you know, people that don't hit the ball a long way at a massive disadvantage. Yes. But the counterpoint could be that those same people are going to have a lot easier time hitting long irons into greens. Fair, fair point. So, I mean, it, 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 you know. I think you, you try to come up with examples of guys who have uh, succeeded well at these soggy tournaments and... I could have a better recall, but the one that leaps to mind is Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. And you never really want to take him at Augusta, and we might discuss that in a few <laughs> minutes. But uh, congressional, you know, is the classic example. Mm-hmm. So if if he could do that then, it's obvious that he doesn't mind a soggy golf course. Well, that's the thing. Is like I, and I actually give props to, uh, I think his name is Alex Myers of Golf Digest, who came up with this little tidbit uh, when I was looking up the weather. And he reminded me that basically all four of Rory's major titles have come on golf courses that were somewhat softened up. You mentioned 2011 Congressional. Kiowa um, in 2012 was a little bit soft. Royal Liverpool in 2014. And Valhalla in 2014. They were all moist. They were all a little moist. Now, here's the big difference. Those golf courses were soft, but the weather during the tournament was pretty good. And Rory has said himself that he doesn't like playing in bad conditions. Rory, Rory is kind of dainty. <laughs> For a man with as much musculature as he has, he is quite dainty. Yeah. Yeah, it's really odd. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how he fares out there because you would think, you know, with a guy who can cut corners and hits the ball as high as he does off the tee, um, this would be ripe for the picking. I would think so. I think it, it probably bodes well for some of the middle-aged players who aren't so old that the weather gets to their bones <laughs> and aren't so young that they're too chicken shit to handle it. <laughs> So maybe a Dustin Johnson, like, we're, and we're, we're going to talk about him as well, and he's never a bad pick for anything, but mm-hmm. 
I have the feeling like maybe he doesn't even notice that it's raining. Yeah, I, and that's another thing. I'm wondering... Like maybe he's one of those dogs that you you leave outside and he doesn't even know to come in from the rain. <laughs> I wonder. I don't think we're going to see Bernard Longer in one of the final groups this year. I don't think the course is going to be set up for. I wouldn't put anything past that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I really. I think I'm, he's probably uh, working for, you know, the German secret service or something. It's secret agent over the years mm, that right. attitude I, I found out the answer to a question we had just asked ourselves the, a few mo- minutes the monday ago. forecast so uh, not the monday forecast but the last time that there was a monday finish at augusta because that's the thing there's been a lot of bad weather at this tournament over the, i mean you know right that's true it's you're playing it, this thing in early april i mean the chances that there's going to be inclement weather and a lot of rain is is pretty high you know yeah, yeah. um and the last time oddly enough that they had a monday finish i was surprised to learn it was 1983 wow I wouldn't have even known who won that year. Seve Ballesteros. Seve. Started the final round on Monday, Birdie Eagle, Ooh. and cruised to a four-shot win over Ben Crenshaw and Tom Kite. Cool. That is pretty fucking cool. Right? Nice. <laughs> that, is, that is a pretty neat story. That is neat. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so... Um, well, we we may see a Sunday finish depending on how bad the thunderstorms are on Friday, but probably not, so long as there are no other thunderstorms. Would you want to see a Monday no, finish? No, no. Everybody hates that. You think it's kind of bad for golf? Bad for I have to tournament? go to work on Monday. Well, Monday would seem like a pretty great day to be deathly ill. It would be great, <laughs> I, and especially if I actually die. <laughs> Because then I don't have to go through another year not having the Masters before the next one. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Well, we shall see. We shall see. I think yeah. that, you know, it's just the typical thing that the soft weather uh, mostly helps longer hitters. Yeah, I would agree. And I would Because it helps guys hit fairways. That's mostly the reason. It's not so much even the distance. It's that Augusta, you know, it doesn't have very penal rough, but... It has knobs, and you can sort of run into the wrong place if you don't hit the ball in the right place. So mm-hmm. if the ball isn't running very much after landing with the driver, then guys are going to be able to position themselves in the good parts of fairways. Sure. And so with the wet weather, um, there's basically three guys that come to mind that make me automatically think that they'll have a large advantage at this tournament because they are so they hit such a high, long ball off the tee. And each of those three guys actually are the centerpiece of some of the storylines I wanted to go over with you. So let's just start. And those three guys are obviously Rory, who we've talked about, Dustin Johnson, who's on one of the better stretches that we've seen from anybody not named Tiger Woods in a while. And then the other one that comes to mind is Jason Day, which yep. is, comes to our, you know, the next storyline is um, he's still questionable. He, he's tending to his ill mother. Right. Um, even if he does show up to the Masters, is, he, is his head going to be in a good enough space where he can realistically challenge everybody and and win this thing i think a lot of times you see these athletes in emotional situations and they play better yeah yeah it's one thing if he's it's one thing if the situation is kind of like touch and go and he's not sure exactly what's going on and then he might be distracted but even if it's a, a dire deteriorating kind of situation uh you know, so long as it's kind of certain, I think that those kinds of things have a tendency actually of putting things into perspective and making people kind of uh, not get as sort of self-absorbed about mm-hmm. golf, and they actually take it shot by shot yeah. a lot more effectively in a situation like that. I think we've seen other people in similar situations do quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've always got like the post-baby 
bump. Like, wasn't that the Danny Willett bullshit last year? Yeah, I think so. That he, he, you know, white trash Danny Willett just had a kid. And he, uh, <laughs> you know, he was, you know, I think that's what happened. Or he was about to have a kid or something. And so he, you know, it puts things in perspective. And all of a sudden, golf isn't so important. And you're not feeling the pressure because it's... So much more important being a father. And meanwhile, none of that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it still works when you're in that haze. And I think a similar thing works when you're when you're dealing with uh, uh, impending loss. Yeah. Well, isn't the one counter argument to that though is that the first cut that Tiger Woods missed in like ten years was the one that the first tournament that he played after his dad died? Am, just, am, am, just I, am as... I miss? Am I Mark McGuire misremembering that? Or but he had taken a huge layoff. It wasn't just that right, okay. he. It wasn't just that his dad died; it's that he hadn't played. Well, the one thing that I that gives me just a little bit of pause with Jason Day is this is the same guy who, if there's a common cold going around, it threatens to wipe out his entire family. So I mean, you, you know, they they are the most. I've never seen a guy injury. Oh my god! You know, just misfortune prone. You ever see that family of professional sports? I mean, it's. You ever see that uh, M Night Shyamalan movie, Unbreakable? <laughs> no. It's about J- it's about Jason Day. <laughs> It was supposedly Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, but really it's Jason Day. He, the fucking guy, if it, his wife is getting run into by LeBron James, he's got yeah. vertigo. It's I've never seen a guy if, if have as many problems. It's not one thing; it's the other. It so, is interesting. It is. So anyway, that all being said, I I don't exactly know whether I want him to play or not because what I'm I mean, part of you hopes that his mom pulls through and that for he has to miss the tournament to be with her. But you know, I mean, it's like he does. I, he, I, I hate to under speculate. what circumstances he play into the tournament. If she passes away, which obviously we hope is not the case, then you know why? Why would you go play in a golf tournament like a day or two after that? Or if I think he would probably play if she passed away, because hmm. um, you know it, it. It would have been anticipated. He would have been able to say his goodbyes. He would have been able to be there for his family. He'll go right back to being there for his family. I think that the the situation where he wouldn't play is if uh, her condition is a little bit uncertain, and especially if she's still like lucid. Not to be morbid about it, but sure. if there's still you know moments where you can connect here and there, then I wouldn't hope that he would play. All right, but we'll, uh, we'll move we'll on see. to a less depressing uh, topic because yeah. I mean I I just uh, I wish him and his family the best. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully his mother pulls through. So, of course. Um, on to the other two gentlemen that we had mentioned who uh, could be at an advantage because they hit the ball so goddamn far. Dustin Johnson is three for three in his last three tournaments. I did not see that coming. Now that he's won a major, you can't put it past him to win every other major. He's swinging a big dick right now. He is. And he is. He looks pretty good. For some reason, when well, I watch him play, his putting still doesn't seem like it's that great. I don't know. I, but it's I quite think a bit more look, effective. He is making, making a lot more of, putts. They're going in with really good pace now. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing, but... You know, imagine how easy golf would be if you're not that smart and you are really good. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the groove that he's in. Yeah. It's amazing. He's he's not going to pull a Jordan Spieth where he hits it in the river uh, in the middle of a cruise control <laughs> thing because he goes mental and he his brain starts eating itself. He's not going to do that. No. No, he's not. I mean, he's collapsed before, but he's he's pushed his way through that. And I think a guy like him isn't prone to revisiting that kind of territory mentally yeah i mean like i said we'll go into a more in-depth uh hopefully betting you know masters preview podcast uh next week but i'm not sure dustin is a good bet because the odds on him are going to be short he is they're probably going to be like seven to five or something crazy like that as of the again we're recording this on the monday before masters week as of today 
he is the odds favorite um, at five to one. Okay, I was, Which, way, I was way off on the odds. I mean, I I would have thought that that Vegas kind of was scared of five to one. I, I thought last year Jordan Spieth was like plus five hundred going into the tournament as well. So I mean, that seems like about as as strong odds as a single man can have, not named Tiger Woods in like a big tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I guess so. I I just thought that with this groove, you know, and Dustin Johnson, he's. I mean, he's such a sure thing. He's mm-hmm. not going to miss the cut or anything like that. He's going to be in contention. He's so, he's playing really, there is still really a, well right still now. Still a bit of exposure for Vegas at five to one. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, I'm very, very excited to see how he how he does because I mean, he actually has a pretty good track record. Even though he's never won at Augusta, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's been in the top ten the last couple of years. Yeah, it's not he, a bad course for him. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, went to Reno n- not long ago for the start of. Uh, March Madness, which I like to do from time to time. And boy, did I get fucked. <laughs> so uh, take it with a, the biggest grain of salt that you ever took it with, with any bets that I advise you to make. Uh, yeah. I, we, the thing is, our golf betting didn't actually go spectacularly well last year. No, um, certainly not. I, I like to think, I think we're pretty informed. One of the ladies we, or gentlemen who reviewed us on iTunes this podcast said that uh this is a an excellent podcast for for mediocre betting picks which is absolutely correct <laughs> that is the most accurate review that we it's have on so iTunes. right <laughs> and that person deserves many accolades for for their accuracy oh that is fantastic all right going on to the third of those three stout long-hitting gentlemen that we referenced before and that is mr rory mcelroy and the storyline i'm going to be most interested to watch is can he finally finish the career grand slam he has a u.s open he has a british open he has a couple of pga championships is it possible that rory wins this thing yeah it's possible i'm just not feeling the commitment from that guy Mm-mm. not feeling it hmm. i just you know come on then now I'm, I'm having trouble remembering back does he normally spend this much time on the european tour to begin each season where he doesn't really yeah, show up he for, always does the uh the the tour of all the dictatorships when <laughs> all those tournaments <laughs> runs so, through the Middle East and then goes to you know whatever he's got to go okay yeah. that makes sense he does the uh, the uh, <laughs> the dictator swing yeah, well, he does the what's a good there's got to be a better name for it the uh, the dick swing the dick swing yeah <laughs> he uh, the uh, the women are second class citizens yeah. uh, jaunt <laughs> uh yeah well i mean those those appearance fees must be oh my god hearty oh my god and you know good fields good purses yeah well as someone who but is, is he has he been in good form i haven't really unfortunately kept up he didn't make it to the semifinals of the the dell match play last weekend yeah, that's all right though you know i the match play is fucking exhausting like to win that tournament you got to play like the equivalent of like eight rounds of golf right yeah it's amazing. It's Wednesday to Sunday, and if you win the whole thing, you're playing 36 holes on Saturday and Sunday. I mean that that is that is a grind. And like I said, uh, and he we, has won that tournament before. Yeah, he beat Paul Casey right in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Correct. And we did get word this morning that Dustin Johnson, in when his post uh, round press conference yesterday, said that he was planning on playing in the Shell Houston Open. He wasn't 100 percent sure, but he was signed up. He was planning on playing. And then the news came out this morning that he's with, that he withdrew. He's Smart. not going to be playing. Which Smart is what he should be. Doing. You got to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, well, a that, lo- that's a lot of golf. That tournament's fundamentally flawed to make guys play that much yeah. in the run-up to the Masters. And the shell is usually a good warm-up for the Masters, so guys mm-hmm. would like to play it if they could, but sure. he's just gassed. Yeah, I, I agree. 
He's um, he doesn't have quite as much energy as he used to have for various <laughs> reasons. Uh, We're gonna keep dip, dipping into that joke well forever. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's as tired as hell, but I'm still gonna do it. No, I mean, you know, winter winter sports, you know, even for golfers are are you know a, a passion a passion fueled activity. Trip good, to heavenly. Yeah, good good for him. Yeah. All right, so now that those other big boys, let's go to the other big boy. The one is that, in my opinion, is going to be the most fascinating storyline to follow, and that is the most successful player at the Masters over the past two seasons is also the man with perhaps the greatest meltdown of the 21st century in the world of golf. Jordan Spieth, leading up to the last year's Masters, was unquestionably the best player in the world, and as soon as he basically defecated on himself on the 12th hole, he was amazingly average for the rest of 2016. That's I mean, true. It, it all went away. Something, the the air of invincibility and the confidence that he had just disappeared. It did kill his confidence completely. Completely. It's, it did ruin it. And so it's going to be... Although, re- he did, didn't he birdie the next hole or something? N- nevertheless. He did. But, I mean, that's the thing. Even before he had a quad on 12... Um, I mean, he was on cruise control up until that point. I mean, but that's, I mean, said he, had, you never he saw bogeyed 10 and 11 before he quadded 12. I mean, the, the you, wheels were starting to come off when that happened. It's you, something a lot of people tend to forget. Uh, it might be the worst shot anyone's ever seen. <laughs> the, the, the third shot that he hit on 12. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually so I'm, bad. I'm actually watching a GIF of it over and over again right now as, as, as this is happening. It, it, it is awful. It. It almost was so bad that it didn't make it to the creek. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually a really interesting question is, what if he had hit that shot so poorly that it didn't make the creek you, and he had a chance to you, chip up and get Can you imagine how rattled you would be if you hit it short of the creek on that shot? I mean, obviously he would have preferred it, but still. <sighs> that would and then not I'm, be great. I'm quite sure that he hit it in the bunker after that, and then he got up and down somehow. I think mm. that's how, how it worked out. But I don't know. I think he'll probably be fine. I think he's mentally tough, mm-hmm. but uh, boy, that is a big matzo ball, as they say. It's tough. I mean, as of, you know, this is a stat that I'm looking at that was valid as of like a couple of weeks ago, but I don't think it's really changed. And that is, you know, obviously he was never he was never right for the rest of 2016 after last year's Masters. However, since the turn of the calendar, he's been pretty damn good. I mean, I don't think he's, he has not finished outside of the top twi- top 25 in every one of his starts on the tour this year. That's pretty good. I think, if anything, he probably has a little extra motivation mm-hmm. to make up for last year. I agree. People aren't really paying that much attention to him, so he doesn't have to put up with all that bullshit. I mean, he has yet to finish outside of the top two in the last three Masters tournaments. The thought of... That is to, quite good. The thought of going to the Champions Dinner and seeing Danny Willett give a speech that's gonna fire his ass up god damn it that, that really is good motivation just imagine how bummed out every other masters win i mean shit mike weir <laughs> looks at danny willett and says god damn you well, so you, look, don't be- you don't belong here well so look <laughs> you know i'm a white guy and everything <laughs> danny willett i mean i hate to say it he's kind of wt and what is he gonna serve at this fucking dinner man <laughs> i mean is it what could it be Bangers and mash. <laughs> Not even. It won't even be that good. Except he's going to be bringing in his it's, weird English cronies to actually start, you know, masturbating on mashed potatoes. And that's what he's going to call bangers and I, mash. I've been known to warm up a frozen meal <laughs> in my day. In fact, I might do that in, in an hour. But he's going to serve some dog shit. I mean, that guy can't possibly know how to serve a dinner. He might not, not have ever eaten dinner. It's probably just going to be like bad whiskey. 
that actually wouldn't be that bad of an option. If you decided uh, to go with an all whiskey tasting menu, I don't think I think a lot of like the past clove, champions clove would be cigarettes, like okay. clove cigarettes and bad whiskey. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that'd be fantastic! All right, next storyline to watch because we, you know, we'll we'll keep this thing relatively brief tonight. The young and the majorless of all the young guns. And, or, you know, the really top flight players on tour who have nothing, not no, won a major. Nothing matters more in life than being young. Just remember that. Damn it. That my 30th birthday looming. It's really... Jesus. <laughs> really putting things in perspective. But anyway. I can't be friends with the 30-year-old. <laughs> Between these four gentlemen, who I think are probably the hottest and probably, you know... Well, I'm not, you know, obviously, you know, looks-wise, these guys are all attractive in their own right. John Rahm is not hot. <laughs> But between these four guys who are all undeniably fantastic but also have not won a major, which one strikes you as having the best odds to succeed and possibly win at Augusta? Between Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, and John Rahm? That is an excellent question. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So Rahm is the hot hand. Sure. Fowler's been pretty good Mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. Um, Matsuyama has great course history, and he's been pretty good this year. Justin Thomas, I and, haven't heard much and, about Justin Thomas. And Thomas might be the best. You know, he has incredible go-low potential, mm-hmm. and he has a couple of wins. Certainly. Or at least one win, I think probably a couple. But, uh, oof. I mean, you certainly want to say Fowler because you you do have to build up that callus of losing in majors for a while before you're ready to win. <laughs> but I, for some reason, I just want to say Matsuyama because he is an Augusta horse courser <laughs> and he he's perennially in the top 10. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got the high ball that could work in the, the rain. Matsuyama, it's just strange with him. Like, you know, stereotypically you think of Japanese golfers and you think of, uh, sort of repetitive, uh, disciplined kind of swings where the margins for error are not that big. Matsuyama is not that way. Mm-mm. He's His hand is coming off the club right and left. He's hitting wayward shots. And it doesn't hurt you that bad at Augusta, so I don't think it's a problem. But it is interesting that he uh, he is prone to breakdowns in his swing. Yeah. And so who knows what it'll really be when he's staring down a major. He's won important tournaments before he won Memorial. Right. Um he won the Phoenix Open already. I mean, at the end of 2016, Hideki Matsuyama, I believe he won four out of five events at the end of last year. I mean, he was on an, a pretty impressive run. Yeah, so I, I am out and of he, And he has two top ten finishes at Augusta in the last two years. So, I mean, he I'm out of the loop on his current form, but obviously Rom probably has the edge on current form. Mm-hmm. Thomas has been good fairly recently, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I, I would probably have to put my money on Matsuyama. I think I think I would too. Obviously, John Rahm is a, a fascinating and a very good pick if you're a betting man, I would think, just because he is so hot. How, t- how tall is he? <sighs> Wide? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I have no idea how tall John Rahm is. I mean, I would guess probably 6'2". Really? Yeah. Damn. Okay. I mean, a guy who has that, like you were saying, that Arnold Palmery three-quarter backswing that doesn't go all the way back and still hits the ball 300 yards. Yeah. He's a strong fellow. Yes. Um. Does he has he played Augusta before? No. I mean, yeah. So, so first time Augusta guys don't tend to win. The last time that a rookie won Ray Floyd, Fuzzy Zoller, oh, nineteen seventy nine. 
and it was, was some Fuzzy Zeller, and it was some creepy, creepy guy like that. And before that, the la- so the last rookie to win was Fuzzy, and the the rookie before that was the great Gene Sarazen in 1935. <laughs> but that's because it was a second the, year of the tournament. Was that the Albatross? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, on 15. <laughs> um, so I mean, it, it's very. The history says that John Rahm will not win. I buy into that history. Um, but, you know, he's playing so well that, you know, you can't completely I, I, rule it out, I guess. I think he's probably an excellent top 20 pick sure. with value. I, I think for me, Matsuyama would be my pick. But I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said that of those four gentlemen, the one who I'd like to see win the most would probably be Ricky. Yeah. I'm not even a big Ricky Fowler fan, but after... Like last year, everybody was pegging Ricky Fowler as the guy who's finally going to break through and win his first major. And not only did he not, he had to watch fucking Danny Willett, Dustin Johnson, Henrik Stenson, and Jimmy Walker all win their first tournaments while he just sat there with his hands between his legs. I mean, that that had to have been brutal. Well, well, he won the fifth major. (laughs) Like, whatever, dude. (laughs) I'm sure he, he gets so much solace out of that. So, totally. <laughs> well, now that he's got the Olympic rings tattoo, he's definitely going to win. Absolutely. That's really what makes the difference. I totally agree. So, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, I would like to see Ricky Fowler win a major also. I think that, uh, you know, he's very likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly a really skilled player. I like to watch him play well. He's got a cool golf swing. He yeah. has a cool style of play. I agree. I think, you know, Justin Thomas can wait a little longer to win a major. Although he's fun to watch play also. Yeah, I agree. All right. The last two storylines that we'll, we'll bring up before we go. They're, you know, it's not so much that these guys are serious contenders to win. It's just we know them so well that we have Sandy to know. Sandy Lyle. No, sorry. What's Phil going to do? Phil's Phil was, play, Phil was playing relatively well. competitive in, in the match play last weekend. I mean, you can. I feel like you can't count Phil out right now. No, I mean... How long has it been since he tore shit up in a major? Not that long. Not that long at all. Yeah. And really, I mean, what, 15 out of 16 majors, he wins with the way that he was playing. He just happened to be running into... Yeah, bad you know, luck. Yeah. So he, he, you can't really say that he's not in major championship form. He made a decent run at the match play. He's, got he, a, he's probably in the Shell Houston, right? He has a history of success at Augusta. That yep. you can't you can't argue with. I think he's probably a good pick, to tell you the truth. Well, when we do a little bit more of a comprehensive preview next week, uh, I will be fascinated well, to mean, see what his odds are looking like. You think about the soft, the softened greens mm-hmm. and the short game. Big dividends for him. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's going to be able to apply that spin. You know, you could say that. Oh, you know, maybe his advantage is taken away a little bit. I don't think that's how it really works. I think that when when the greens get softer. Guys like him who have kind of an airborne short game mm-hmm. get even, you know, more, more dangerous. I agree because they just drop it down and it stays. I agree. Yeah, Phil will be interesting to watch. And uh, again, I mean, I feel like Phil's definitely not my favorite golfer, but I'm always pulling for Phil. He he injects a lot of interest into a tournament for anybody with that that <laughs> fucked up smile that he has. <laughs> it feels amazing because you know the guy's got the biggest ego in the world, and he's so pleased with himself and yet he's always got that sheepish kind of smile like you know i this is the first time i ever played a good round of golf and, you know i i, didn't I don't expect know. you to like yeah. me so much i don't know how he manages to play both sides like that, that that's, al- that's, that's always his, miffed me that's his secret wow 
No wonder everybody likes Phil. All right. And the last one that we'll end on is the most depressing of them all. Yes. Perfect. More depressing than Jason Day's family. Sorry. Mm. Had to say that. I mean, it was a bit of a down, <laughs> bit of a downer. Uh, too soon? No. No. Um, Man, I wish Tiger was playing this thing. He hasn't been ruled out at the time that we're recording this, but I mean, yeah. it's all but inevitable, inevitable that he's not going to play. Yeah, I don't think he could. I don't think he could do eighteen at Scandia without a cart. At this point, it's very sad. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Tiger's not playing. He will be attending Danny Willett's Scotch tasting, <laughs> right? Uh, before the tournament, but as far as actually getting out there and, and swinging the sticks, it's I, very I'm, sad. I do I not mean, anticipate seeing. El gato. Well, see, somebody, several people have thrown out this theory, and it makes a lot of sense. It's just like, okay, he's got these new endorsement deals with the Bridgestone Ball and uh, whatever the fuck else. TaylorMade. TaylorMade, other things. He probably really should be retired, <laughs> but he's going to not retire and play periodically when he's barely healthy enough to do it just so he satisfies these sponsors and keeps these deals going. Yeah. And I, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he's playing as much as he can. But the bottom line is that he really can't play anymore, and it's it's very sad. But it's over. Yeah, it's a big league bummer. I mean, I I would love nothing more than to come back on this podcast next week for a Masters preview, with the news that we actually are going to get to watch some old, just mummy of Tiger Woods go out and shoot eighty eighty for rounds one and two. I would be stoked just to watch him play. I mean, that'd obviously be kind of sad to see him shoot eighty. Seventy five, I could handle. I mean, he shot forty on the front nine of Thursday in the nineteen ninety seven Masters, and then he shot thirty on the back. Well, you know, I mean, that's obviously, yeah. I don't think he's going to be shooting thirty on the back nine anytime soon. I kind of want to read the Tiger Woods nineteen ninety seven Masters book, except, you know, I think I probably don't need to. I think, you know, obviously with me being, you know, just a, a supreme, supreme child of, you know, generation, you know, lazy. Uh, I think I'd much rather just go onto YouTube and just rewatch all of the <laughs> yeah, 1997 that's a good Masters. Point. Yeah, that's well, a... wait a minute. <laughs> Can't we just watch golf? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, and, no, and but it's, it's very depressing with Tiger, um, especially since he's going to be on the ground. It's going to be weird to see him there and not play. I would hope that for the sake of the viewers that he just books it after the after the whiskey tasting and just leaves so we don't have to watch him watching other guys compete in the Masters. Uh, you know, like up in the booth getting interviewed. I would just be off Wearing the green jacket while other guys are playing. It would be so with awful. The, with the thinning hair. Can he just shave the fucking head already? He would look good with the shaved head. He'd he look good with the do sha- it. Well, my thing is, he should... First of all, his goatee is awful. I, mean, I, mean, I don't ta- think he has that now. I think... He, he, Scott, he Van, he Scott Van Pelt uh, cornered him for an interview, and I don't think he had the goatee. Okay. Yeah, because the goatee was about as puby a goatee as I've seen in a good long time. That that was not a good look for him. Yeah, it's like everything is thin. Yeah, and the hair was not doing him any favors either. So, I mean, yeah, if Tiger just goes full shaved head, shaved face, I think he would look just imminently better. I mean, he actually would then have the potential to continue to crush pussy, which, you know, with... with what he had going well, I mean, on before. He must be, wait a minute, he must be doing that. I mean, he is single. Yeah, I mean, he's not with Lindsey Vaughn anymore. Oof. I mean, I guess, you know, thinking about the caliber. He's of, the he's bottom. He's not moving. Well, think <laughs> think about the caliber of the 125 minimum women that he slept with when he was married. Mm-hmm. He can't possibly be doing worse than that now because they were all kind of, you know, skanky to begin with, except for a few, a couple of them. Yeah. 
respect to Tiger, man. The guy, I mean, he more so than any major celebrity with a big sex scandal we've seen, he just loved himself a good old fashioned slut. And you know what? Good on him. Although the the whole Derek Jeter rumor was kind of creepy. Wait, I'm unfamiliar with this rumor. Well, didn't one of the women say that Tiger? I don't. I don't want to speak out of school here. This is probably completely false. So this is. I mean, this is just pure unfact-checked rumor. Me, let me just preface this by saying that I don't believe it. Okay. But I heard from one of these ladies that supposedly Tiger, like in in the course of dirty talking or sexting, said something like that he fantasized about having a three-way with this chick and like Derek Jeter. Not that he would do anything with Derek Jeter, but that, like Derek Jeter would bang her at the same time. Hmm. Something to that effect. It was very disturbing. Well, you have to admit, if you are an attractive woman who also is a fan of sports, that doesn't seem all that bad. It, I mean, if it was her idea, it wouldn't be that <laughs> strange. I, assuming that, um, assuming it's was, all consensual, you t- know. T- Tiger Woods is decidedly heterosexual, so I'm not trying to very throw any so. monkey wrench into yep, that situation. Very, very no, much nobody so. would do what he did if he didn't like to bang chicks that that is fact yes that that is true so now that we're back to the important tiger woods discussion <laughs> jesus uh it's great how we, even when tiger gives us nothing to talk about There's we always we always find about. a way to just drop at least five minutes of content on the man i mean he's he's compelling he is compelling he's so much more interesting than like even michael jordan or other dominant athletes mm-hmm. certainly more interesting than wayne gretzky <laughs> Although my favorite, the one, boring one, or the great one. Sorry. <laughs> Although the great Wayne Gretzky story is when he was on the Kings and his wife was sitting uh, by the boards. Yeah. And a, a check shattered glass, and she had to be hospitalized. And Gretzky finished the game. Yeah, that was, that was. I mean, you don't become great if you don't do that. It is ballsy. Yes. Well, the Masters is almost upon us. I encourage every one of you to do what I did about five days ago and go on YouTube and play the TV version of the theme song mm-hmm. and Chromecast it to a TV with a sound bar or hook up possibly a Bluetooth speakers to your laptop as you play it. It's about two minutes and 15 seconds of bliss. It is so good. I, I would recommend everybody go and watch the old Tiger Woods chip-in video at 16. Oh, but since he's not going to be playing, maybe I'd, maybe I'd skip that one. But that is... Is that the greatest single shot yes. in no, Masters history? Of course. Yeah. I mean, there there was the, the albatross from Sarazen. But, right. You know, if it happened that long ago, did it really happen? I don't know. Chris DeMarco says he still wakes up a couple times a year with night sweats. <laughs> Poor Chris DeMarco. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> Chris DeMarco could go out and kick Tiger Woods' ass tomorrow, yeah, probably. Yeah, just like, <laughs> don't, don't you think uh, that Chris DeMarco... Okay, so Chris DeMarco's an analyst now, and he's he's good. I like him, actually, mm-hmm. in the booth. Doesn't it look like he's got, like, Wayne Newton, like, eyeliner <laughs> and stuff? Like, I don't, <laughs> is that just the way his eyes look, or, or, like, the makeup people giving him, like, eyeliner? That is a really good question. He looks like Billy Joe Armstrong or something. <laughs> Man, that is a great question. He's joining Good Charlotte. Does he <laughs> does he do all of his booth commentary from Vegas? I'm not sure. Oh, I don't man. Know. I don't know. Yeah, actually. I, I do like Chris DeMarco not, a lot. Now that though, you mentioned it, I don't think, think I've ever actually seen. I, I've heard Chris DeMarco sparingly, but I'm not sure I've ever actually watched him. He's got like Bambi eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful note to end on. Well, yeah. Master's preview coming up next, folks. Oh, thank you very much, everybody. Um, if you would like to support the podcast... Um, we don't need your money, although if you want to send us a check, by all means. Um, I know we could ask for money. Are we doing that now? The other and most common 
best way to support the podcast is to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Only if it's good. Uh, only if it's good. And if it's bad, like Casey always says, just lie. Just, just give us a good review anyway. That that would be wonderful. Um, and other than that, if you have any questions or you want to reach out to us or you have anything to add to the Masters Preview next weekend or any other podcast for that matter, uh, you can always find us on social media. We're on Twitter at GolfGuideNet. We're on Instagram at GolfGuide underscore. And we're on Facebook uh, at GolfGuide. So, yeah. If you want to reach out to the podcast, it is super easy. <laughs> or, hell, if you Ooh. fucking know me, you can just call me. <laughs> Kyle was approached by a waitress who listens to the podcast the other day, and she she was thrilled with it, and I hope that she's listening to this podcast. It yeah. was a wonderful story to hear. Yeah. Supposedly, she told her girlfriends about the podcast. That's wonderful. Yeah. We need this word of mouth to just, it, it boosts our mood. It makes us better. We love all of you. We do, in fact, love all of you, despite the fact that we've never met most of you or seen most Probably of you. don't want to actually meet you at all, yeah, but, but I love but that you listen. That That's what keeps us loving you. There's nothing for us to not love. So for that, that's thank you very much. That's why we don't take much. calls. <laughs> Precisely right. So uh, until next time, everybody, thank you again for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, and until next week, happy uh, happy week before Master's Week. <laughs>